We go and grab a quick bite. We watch a movie, then fight. We're the Fast Food Film Friends. You're listening to Fast Food Film Friends, the show about two guys who submerge themselves in a pool of pizza sauce every night just to feel alive again. How do other people do it? This week, we're talking about reminiscence while eating Little Caesar's Crazy Calzoni. From IMDb, the plot summary of Reminiscence reads as follows. Nick Bannister, a private investigator of the mind, navigates the alluring world of the past when his life is changed by a new client named May. A simple case becomes an obsession after she disappears and he fights to learn the truth about her. Man, what a synopsis. Sounds exciting. Sounds original. Speaking of exciting and original, from LittleCaesars.com, several months in development, the crazy calzone features a folded calzone-like crust that is filled with garlic white sauce, mozzarella cheese, and julienne pepperoni with Parmesan cheese sprinkled on top. It also comes with the side of our signature crazy sauce. They got garlic sauce in there and crazy sauce on the side. It sounds scrumptious. Oh my God. Is it pizza? Is it a calzone? No, it's both. It's, it's a the crazy, crazy calzone. calzone. I am literally over the moon excited to eat this because I love Little Caesars pizza. I love calzones. I love garlic sauce. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their crazy sauce is, but I'm assuming I'm going to love that too. I really like how they have to clarify at the beginning, several months in development. Well, they don't want you to think that they just had a meeting last week and said, what if we folded a pizza up? <laughs> They want you to think they've really been working on this. They're like, look, Dave the line cook got really high. Yeah. He, he tried folding pizza and mixing all of our sauces. And this is what came out. And it worked. Now let's make it seem like we've had our scientists on this for years. Uh, either way, I'm excited. You know, we've got two high tech scientific topics to touch on tonight. And it's going to be a good episode. I'm feeling good about it. I think you're feeling good about it. Little Caesars put time, effort, money into developing this thing, Uh, much like everyone involved in the making of Reminiscence. You know, you had a script that was apparently years in the making, a new visual effects technology that cost millions and millions of dollars to develop. They had an A-list star in the lead. The production budget on this film was $60 million. Which is a lot of money. And... In order to break even, it needed to make uh, about $110 bucks in its mm-hmm. box office run. Yeah. It's opening weekend. We were the only two. We, we were saw. the only two people that yeah. saw it. It made $2 million. Oh, my a, God. A truly colossal flop Oof. of a movie. Oof. And that's why you, listener, haven't heard of this film. It's <laughs> absolutely right. You've probably heard the, the trailer in the background on like a commercial while you go to the bathroom during some show that you actually enjoy. Just Hugh Jackman... He's in a, you know, a white button up with the sleeves rolled up and about six buttons undone as per usual. As he should be. As he should be. And he's just doing this voiceover that is uh, so cheesy in my mind. But that's the whole trailer, essentially. It's just Hugh Jackman musing with random waves in the background, I think. (laughs) That's about as much as I knew. And that's probably about as much as anyone knows. It's on HBO Go, but I still have not seen anybody talk about this. That that is really the biggest surprise is that so... It's truly one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. Yeah. Of all movies that have ever opened in at least 3,000 theaters mm-hmm. in the U.S., this is the number one worst opening weekend <sighs> of all time. Oh, man. It is a, a pretty disastrous yeah. a result. Yeah. There's been a number of these uh, Warner Brothers movies that gets released on HBO Max yep. that some people say, okay, the box office numbers were kind of hurt by the fact that people could stay home and watch it. But yep. this one was just so much worse than all of the others. Yeah. It was just... 
it was just absolutely terrible. And you and I, when we choose what movies to review, mm-hmm. just like some inside baseball on yeah. how we choose it. Money believe money. it or not, we put some thought into mm-hmm. picking what movie and what food to eat. Yeah. Try to do a movie that either is the most relevant right now, mm-hmm. most of our fans we think have seen yeah. or want to hear us talk about. And the way that box office returns work is like night one, yeah. they know red alert this movie is going to crash and burn it already has they send a signal our red phone rings friday night at about midnight if there's a flop this big and this phone has not rung in years and And, and at first you and i thought okay we should not review this then because why would we talk about something no no one has seen well and i think even even before the opening we were like this is not going to be that good much less it's not going to have much to talk about and then I saw the movie Ugh. on Saturday and I texted Kevin while I hadn't even left the theater. I was oh watching the credits God. roll and I said, we have to do this. Yes. <laughs> we have to do this. And to, I got that text and I said, God damn it. Because <laughs> the last thing I wanted to do was squeeze a two and a half hour. I think it was actually only two ish, two hour long movie into my very busy weekend, especially a movie that I know is not good. <laughs> Uh, but actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that. That I didn't think would be good. And uh, I had to see it. And the thing was, I was like, you know what? I can just watch it on HBO Go. And then you texted me like, I would highly recommend this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see it in theaters. Because it's not going to be in theaters very long. And you made me go to a theater to see this. Which I will say, I am actually happy I went to a theater to see this. I'm, I'm glad you went. And I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah. Um, I saw it in IMAX. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm glad I did. I, this is not something that I would go out telling everyone, you got to see this no. in IMAX. But there is a sense of scale mm-hmm. and kind of an immersion in this world yes. that I'm glad that I had seeing it on a big yes. screen. From the very first shot, it is the scale is set. It is a huge, huge movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's exciting. I think the, the world building, the production design in this movie are both astoundingly good. I, you kind of get immersed in it, and then I think a lot of the other parts of the movie leave some things to be desired. But that, just the, this world that this movie brings you into, and it's this huge shot of a basically a sunken Miami it opens on, and then it just goes into Hugh Jackman, you know, roaming the streets, walking down the center of the street like a cool guy does. But yeah, the scale of this movie is, it is good on a giant screen like that. I would not have gotten this same experience had I seen it at home on HBO Go. And before we get too deep into it, I do want to say... I want to make a point when we do get to our main review yeah. to kind of walk through it for the people who haven't seen it and mm-hmm. probably won't yeah. because I think it's going to be really fun to talk about yeah. and I would like to invite people in to, to listen even if they haven't yeah. seen it. But the reason why I felt so compelled to talk about it, not just the plot itself because yeah. I feel like there, there is so much there, but also this movie is like this strange perfect artifact of our times it's this it is this worst case scenario anecdotal example of how far movies have fallen anytime a movie performs poorly there's all sorts of factors to blame oftentimes multiple but yeah this one movie it's one specific movie that was meant to be a blockbuster in every sense yeah it had every possible negative factor working against it it was it's a drama aimed at adults yeah there's not a lot of action, mm-hmm. no humor, mm-hmm. not really any horror, maybe a little bit of a thriller. But these are the kinds of movies, these adult-oriented dark dramas are the yeah. ones that people are staying home to watch. Yeah. 
On top of that, the budget for this movie was so inflated because the visual effects yeah. cost so much. We have to talk about that. Oh, absolutely. Hugh Jackman is the kind of star that A, is big enough to cost a lot of money, mm -hmm. but B, clearly isn't big enough to get people to actually no. come see the movie. I feel like this is really going to take him down a notch in, in terms of how much he can how much he can yeah. charge to be in because up until oh, I now agree. I would have classified him as like a top of the list bankable actor nah. but I mean when's the last time he was in a movie that wasn't successful The Greatest Showman I don't that was actually a very successful, successful film I know, in, I just, just in terms I of money it was bad and to top it all off this movie could be seen at home on yeah. HBO Max yep without getting into the content of the movie itself before you saw it you know yep. when you when you heard about how it was not making any money were you surprised about that i actually was well i wasn't i wasn't here's here's why I, you know it's it's written and directed by lisa joy who did westworld i'm mm -hmm. a big fan of westworld and i was a big fan of westworld it was a show you know that i think is similar in terms of scale and detail and uh just again production design that's beautiful to watch but kind of lost me at the end I was excited about her. You know, there's, uh, you got Tandy Newton in it, who's also from Westworld, a couple other people from Westworld, and the cinematographer was from Westworld. So I was like, okay, this, is, this could be good. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, he's Hugh Jackman. I'm not a big Hugh Jackman fan. I'm not an X Man fan. I loved Prisoners. I liked The Fountain. Yeah. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't go out to see his movies. He doesn't draw me in. So I, when I see him in a movie like this, that the trailer, I think, is just so generic and like didn't. Again, like you said, you know, it didn't really show you what kind of movie it was going to be. There was a little action in the trailer. There was a little bit of, you know, suspense, a little, little sexy flair in there, too. But, like, I was like, I don't really get what this movie is about. It's kind of an Inception ripoff. It, the vibe I got was mm -hmm. total Inception ripoff. And I just found out today that she's married to Christopher Nolan's little brother. Yep, Jonathan Nolan. Which yeah. is crazy. Uh, he goes by Jonah. Thank you very much. Mm. Uh, which is dumb if your name's Jonathan. But, um... And it had things that should pull people in, but I think most people right now, we've got COVID, uh, we've got Inception at home already, I'm sure, and it's just like, do I really need to go out to a theater to see a movie that looks like just a slightly more sci-fi-y Inception? Uh, no. I never would have seen this movie had you not texted me and told me to. And that's saying something, because I like to see movies that come out. I like to see new, exciting movies, especially original movies. You know, this is not a remake. It's not a sequel. It's something totally new. And that's exciting to me. I love that. I want to support movies like that. You know, I go, I went to see The Green Knight, which, again, we talked about in our last, last episode we both hated. But I don't know. It, something just missed in the trailer. There was no hook in the trailer at all. Yeah. It was like a, it was like a, the middle of a, of a, trailers that just i don't know there was no meat to it somehow you weren't connected i don't buy into hugh jackman at all because he's plays the same character i think in all of his movies i don't think he's the best actor in the world this is a very long answer to your question but. well i think i think the film has a, a premise that seems similar and then from there tries to do some things different but since you don't get that from the trailer you yeah. don't know you think that it is just another iteration of a familiar yep. sci-fi thriller genre. Mm -hmm. And like you alluded to earlier, I think there is some there that's interesting that we will get into. Yep. But um, I pretty much just feel like I dreamt that this movie existed. Yeah. Because I saw this in an IMAX theater. There were five other people. Wow. This is the second day it was out in theaters. Yeah. And there, there were was, five people. There was two people in my theater. I feel like five to six years ago... This would have been a pretty full theater. Oh, it would have been yeah. talked about for yeah. a while. Just the sense of scale, the ideas going on, like it's made to be chewed on. Yeah. But this movie 
is going to come and go yeah. without anyone even knowing about it, which is why we have to immortalize it. I think you're right. And I, I think, yeah, like you said, you know, five years ago, I think this reminded me a lot of like the movies in the 90s, like Waterworld and like, you know, not mm-hmm. just because it's got, you know, similar themes, but like those big budget original things that are just kind of these weird you know, you can't really put them in one genre or another. And they're just these standalone movies that like drew people in back then because it was like, this is a blockbuster event. This is a big budget movie. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Big star. Let's go. Huge. You know, it just seems like it should have had so much more buzz. And I don't know if it's if it's just the trailer. I don't know if it if people just don't watch TV and see trailers that they just wasn't advertised well online. I don't know how most people are seeing trailers these days. I'm on Twitter nonstop, which is basically how I do it. But I think it would have been such a bigger movie, maybe even, you know, pre-COVID when theaters were just more common for people to go to. But yeah, it's just, it's so strange to me how poorly this movie did. The movies that people are going to right now are the ones that are like the surest bets in terms of quality, even if they didn't actually turn out to be movies like A Quiet Place 2 or like... Fast 9 did very well. Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. These are all movies that you hear about it, you watch the trailer. There's yeah. really no doubt about what exactly it is. Yeah. And it's like once a month, a movie has come along this summer mm-hmm. that does pretty well. Mm-hmm. And everything else, especially risk-taking, original stuff, yeah. especially weird stuff, yep. has really, really suffered. Yeah. Which makes one me of my, sad. One of my favorites of the summer was In the Heights, mm-hmm. a musical that is... Just an, an earnest, feel-good, original musical for adults yeah. that it's it's like a, a love letter to, to classic musicals. Nathan, you already gushed about In the Heights on this podcast. But I, the reason why I kind of want these kinds of movies to go in my mind is because these are the kinds of huge failures yeah. that studio heads are going to point to to say, yeah. no, we can't do that again. Remember how bad In the Heights did? Remember how bad Reminiscence did? Yeah. Like, Nobody's going to... The funny thing is, they won't even remember Reminiscence. Which they, they literally will be the like... people oh. making these decisions at studios certainly will. Yeah, because maybe. this is a film that's probably going to lose about $100 million. Which is insane. It's, uh, and it's, it's sad. Too. I mean, I hope it's doing decently on HBO, but I just doubt it is. I mean, even if you go on HBO, it's not like... There's not a banner They're ad for it. it. They're not. And it's like, nobody's going to search this out. You're going to have Hugh Jackman's like diehard fans watch it and everything like that, but... I feel bad for uh, for Lisa Joy. I feel bad for, you know, the people in this movie because, you know, I, I don't want to get into our review too much, but it's not a terrible movie. It's yeah. not a bad movie. Let's let's hold that thought there. So much to get into. So much. Before that, we've got a little bit of nimble news knockouts. Let's do that right now. Yes. And before that, Nathan, I do want to just give one shout out to one of our one of our biggest fans of the podcast, Lars who uh, recently celebrated a birthday, and he celebrated by letting us know that we took way too long, 41 minutes precisely, to get into our main topics on our last episode. (laughs) Uh, He said the nimble news was not nearly nimble enough. Uh, So I'm hoping this week we can kind of tighten it up a bit for Lars. But I doubt it. We're already about 30 minutes in, so we'll see how this goes. But just wanted to give him a shout-out. Big supporter of the pod. Yeah, happy birthday, Lars. Uh, We love you. Um... I will make a point to make mine quicker this week. Also, we may just have to rename the Nimble News segment because yeah. it is, it's it's no longer Nimble whatsoever. How about Nifty News? We'll work on that. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll workshop it. If anyone has any uh, ideas, mm-hmm. Lars, anybody else, let us know. Normal News? <laughs> <laughs> nimble News. 
Normal news is the part of the show where we review all things new as quickly as we can do. That means new music, series, purchases, experiences, maybe even new food or movies we don't have time for in our main discussion. Mm. Kevin, are you ready to go? I am fully torqued. Hit me. Nathan, there's a small Italian deli in town here called Fribonis. There used to be one on campus when I went to school here. It was one of my go-tos. Reason- you said jabronis? Fribonis. Okay. This was a staple for me in college. I absolutely love their sandwiches. And recently I started a new job that is by their last standing location. It's about five minutes away. I went in there on a Wednesday afternoon last week and I got myself a prosciutto and fresh mozz sandwich. This is just grade A prosciutto, real fresh mozz. You can watch them cut it off the balls. Mm. Lettuce, tomato, some oil, seasoning. That's pretty much it. The bread they put this on is phenomenal. This sandwich is just unbeatable in my mind it is the perfect sandwich i know you have your perfect sandwich this is my perfect sandwich while i was there i did see that they have uh a sandwich that goes by the same name as your favorite sandwich the gondola the gondola the gondola the gondola as you say like a fucking caveman (laughs) uh i want you to go and try that but mainly i want you to get this prosciutto and fresh mozz sandwich it is otherworldly if you are in madison go to Ferboni's. it's a small local business they've got great hot food Great cold sandwiches, great hot sandwiches. Everything about it's just great. You walk in and it's just like you're in Jersey, surrounded by Italians. There's red and white checkered tables, things like that. I just love it so much. It's perfect. Everything about it's perfect. The other day I had a hankering for barbecue, but I was very limited on time. So I did something that I haven't done in ages. I grabbed lunch at Dickie's Barbecue Pit. For those who aren't familiar with Dickies, it's a fast food barbecue spot that's best enjoyed about once every two to three years, just long enough for you to forget how much their food sucks. I walked in the door. I had every intention of ordering a normal sandwich, but the first thing I saw was a sign for a product that made me go, I have to try that now. It was a King's Hawaiian pulled pork sandwich with Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce. Oh, I can get into that. Didn't want to know what to expect from this sauce. I was skeptical, but very intrigued. And you know the meme of Jason Bateman in Arrested Development where he opens a bag labeled Dead Dove only to find a dead dove inside? And he says, I don't know what I expected. Mm. That about sums it up because this sandwich just tastes like someone dumped soda on it. Mm. Which, in retrospect, seems obvious. (laughs) But the sauce doesn't just have a tinge of Dr. Pepper. It is so liquidy. I'm guessing it's just half Dr. Pepper and half barbecue sauce. You know how with some sodas, if you drink them too fast, it kind of stings in the back of your throat? Mm-hmm. That's how every bite of this sandwich feels. Oof. Not to mention the pork being flavorless and the King's Hawaiian bun being slightly burnt, which I'm assuming they're not baking the buns themselves. So who's supplying them with burnt buns? Anyways, I confirm once again that Dickie's Barbecue Pit sucks, mm-hmm. but I will probably give them another try in a few years when they come out with Mountain Dew coleslaw. Oof. Nathan, I'm a pragmatic man. That's how I like to refer to myself. If nothing else. If nothing else. Uh, Some people call me a cheap man. Uh, But every now and then I splurge. And in the spirit of keeping things nimble for Lars, I want to take you back to high school. (laughs) I have a friend named Dane. Me and him, in general, two very sweaty people. Very, very sweaty. In high school, we literally looked into getting Botox in our armpits because we sweat so much. I can see my reflection in your forehead right now. Yeah, that's right. I am a sweaty, sweaty man. He texted me and said, you need to get these sheets. They were UGG cooling sheets. The UGG boot company makes (laughs) cooling sheets. 
I didn't even know they were in the bedding game. No idea. But they make cooling sheets. He texts me about it. He says, I've tried all the other sheets. I've tried bamboo sheets. These are at Nordstrom Rack. Go get them. And I know when you're shopping at Nordstrom Rack, it's always a crapshoot. You never know what's in there. You know, comes and goes. The next day I go to Nordstrom Rack as soon as it opens. I take time off work to go into Nordstrom Rack <laughs> because I need these sheets. If this man's telling me it helps with sweatiness, I need these sheets. Nothing. Nothing there. I talk to a manager. Nothing there. I text Dane. I tell him how let down I am. This man lives in Texas. He goes back to Nordstrom Rack, gets me a set of these sheets, mails them up here. Wow. Ugh, cooling sheets. The soft, this is on their tag, the soft wrinkle resistant sheet set has cooling and moisture wicking properties that keep you cool and comfortable all year round. Wait a couple days, I wash them, I put them on my bed. Nice clean bed. I'm staring at them all day. I'm working from home. I just cannot wait to crawl into bed, Nathan. Finally, bedtime rolls around, and I slid into the most comfortable fucking sheets that you could ever imagine. These sheets, normally I spend like $50 on sheets. These are $100 sheets. Oh my God, Nathan, I will never sleep in anything again. I will find more sets of these sheets throughout my life. They are the most amazing thing in the world. If you can get your hands, if there's a Nordstrom rack by you, go clean them out of these cooling sheets and mail them to me. I'll pay you top dollar for them. Ugg cooling sheets are the best thing that's ever happened to me. They're on my bed right now. If you want to crawl in and give them a try. Just absolutely game changing. And I cannot thank my friend Dane enough. He does not listen to the podcast. Kevin, there is a secret to life. That suburban moms have known for decades, and I am finally learning just now. Pool boys? Fanny packs are incredible. Oh, I've got six. Don't. Yep. Going for a hike? Wear a fanny pack. Traveling? Wear a fanny pack. Mm. Bike ride? Wear a fanny pack. Mm -hmm. Doing literally anything that requires you to both carry your personal necessities, but also sit down Mm -hmm. or wear clothes that don't have Mm -hmm. four pockets. Mm -hmm. Wear a fanny pack. Yes. You can either live your life in fear of someone potentially thinking that the thing around your waist looks kind of weird, or you can choose the path of utilitarian enlightenment. Try one for yourself. If you don't like it, give it to me. I could use some more. Mm. They're the best thing in the world. Like I have been rocking these since high school and I looked, I knew I looked dumb, but I absolutely love, I don't know why people carry purses when you could just have a fanny pack. That That is is my exact. You don't have to set it down. You don't have to hang it on your chair. It just is with you. And whenever you need your stuff, it's right there. It's safe. It's secure. It's the best. They're the best things in the world. And I have, I bought an expensive one. This is one of my splurges. I said, I want one. I embroidered my initials on it. And it's great. I absolutely love it. You can carry whatever you need. Bike rides, it's the best thing for a bike ride. What else are you going to do? Get saddlebags and look like a chump? No. Get a fanny pack and look like a chump. Nathan, I was introduced to a new card game called Illusion by my friends Caitlin and Ned. This is one of the most simple games I've ever played with other people. It was explained to me in under a minute, and we played it for probably about an hour. It is one of the most fun, weird games that you could ever think of. It's a game that basically you have a bunch of different cards with different colored shapes on them of of about four or five different colors. And the object of the game is to draw a card and decide which card has more of a certain color on it and put them in order. And once you think somebody's placed a card incorrectly, you basically call bullshit. It's a very simple concept. It's a very great game. It's a cheap game. I would imagine I haven't bought it yet, but I'm about to. I absolutely love this game. It made my brain work in the weirdest ways. And it's just so much fun. It's hard to explain on a podcast because you can't see it, but just Google card game illusion And you will get some pictures that will kind of explain it. It is so much fun, and I absolutely love it and cannot thank Ned and Caitlin enough for introducing it to me. 
Kevin, you and I like to sometimes give each other assignments on the show mm. in the form of homework oh, handoffs, where one it? of us chooses something for the other to watch, read, eat, consume in some way, I'm then so... report back on a future episode and give a homework handoff of their own. I'm so excited to get your Hold hand. it. Okay. The last thing I assigned to you was a little gem called Freaks. So good. Which is a great low-budget thriller on Netflix that you really liked. Mm-hmm. In return, you made me watch Thunder Force, <laughs> a superhero comedy starring Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer. Yes. Why? Jason Bateman. You have to admit, the Jason Bateman you don't. Are, are good enough to make it worth it. I could have just made you watch those. I did also give you an option to watch. I yes knew Day. you were going to fall back on I this. did give you an I option knew, to watch I yes knew Day. that when I asked you why, you were going to fall back on, well, you kind of chose no, this for yourself. I, the Jason Bateman bits alone got me. And I thought it was funny. The raw chicken bit to me is a solid comedy bit that is grade A prop comedy and you cannot tell me otherwise. So, for those who have no clue what this movie is about, first of all, it's a kids movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and that's okay. The world needs kids movies. Yes. Here's here's the premise. There are supervillains in the world. Not supervillains. There are people that have superpowers that are also sociopaths. Yeah. Only sociopathic people are predisposed to having powers. Correct. So there's no superheroes to fight against them. This is an extremely small scale like these these people with powers they're mm. not taking over the world no. they're like knock, they're like breaking glass yeah. and like knocking down statues like sure. that's the worst of it and this has been going on for decades mm-hmm. this happened in the 80s when these powers yeah. first manifested yeah. the storytelling is about as nuanced as a Berenstain Bears book <laughs> if you are an adult there are two things for you there's Jason Bateman's crab arms what's are is some of that dialogue, like when they first meet in that convenience store, you're telling me you didn't laugh at their back and forth. Oh, Kevin. You cannot lie. No. To me. Oh, even at their dinner? I. I know you laughed. I, I laughed at. Here's the thing I'm a good student. I finished yeah. my homework. Yeah. So I finished this movie. Mm-hmm. I regret doing so. Well. And I laughed at the fact that I was actually sitting there watching this when I could have been doing... I laughed at it, too. Countless other things. I just wanted to stay on, you know, the super, superhuman ability train with freaks. I thought, you know, this is a nice sure, yeah. lead-in uh, to Thunder Force. The movie is really bad. I think it's not funny or exciting or inspiring, and uh, nobody should watch it. Mm. That's where I'm going to leave that. On a different note... I, I just Can I just say... I agree. <laughs> but I will say, YouTube. <laughs> I think you should YouTube the Jason Bateman bits from Thunder Force because that alone is worth it. But the rest of the movie can be skipped. <laughs> I'm burying this movie. We're, this is not coming back up. On a different note, mm. I'm going to give you a homework handoff that I absolutely know you will enjoy. Oh. I would also recommend it to all of our listeners, but you, Kevin, yeah. are the one person who I know will appreciate it. Mm-hmm. When I say what it is, I need you to not Google it. It's on YouTube. It's 43 minutes long. I need you to just jot down the title when you have time to watch it, maybe on a lunch break, maybe before bed. Just search for it right on YouTube and click the first video. Mm-hmm. You have to go impure. Do not take a chance on spoilers. I won't. The comedian Chris Gethard yeah. used to have a talk show. Mm-hmm. There was a studio audience. 
There was there were guests. There were Collins. I've seen his talk show. I'm gonna be really bummed if you've seen this. I'm gonna be very happy if I've seen it. Season two, episode nine. Whoa. <laughs> his guests were Paul Shear and Jason Manzukis. And the episode was called One Man's Trash. Does this ring a bell to you, Kevin? All three of those people are people I very much enjoy. I don't think I've seen this. Here, here's the premise. If, if this rings a don't bell... Don't give me the premise. No, the premise is literally okay. one sentence in the very beginning. Okay. that It's the hook. Yeah. The show starts. Chris Cathard says to the audience, We brought our dumpster into the studio, and you guys are going to have a chance to guess what's in there. We're asking you guys to call in and take a guess, and that's the whole show. <laughs> Sounds great. What follows is something truly special. I am so jealous that you get to experience it for the first time. Mm. Just search One Man's Trash on YouTube. It's the first result. I cannot wait to hear what you think. Nathan, I finally got around to watching Luca, Mm. one of Disney's newest movies. Have you seen this? Yeah, I have. Okay. Uh, As a lot of people know, I'm I'm big into Italian culture. This is Pixar, by the way. It is Pixar? Yeah. Not Disney? Pixar. Where's the line? I don't even understand anymore. My mom's been hounding me to watch this. She knows I love Italy. She loves Italy. I just bought a Fiat. That's how Italian I am. What's that going be? It's coming up. <laughs> it's coming up quick. I'll just wait. I need to get new tires, then I'll give you the full review. Aiden's been hounding me to watch this movie because Nona literally calls my mom Nona, which is Italian for grandmother, Nona. So we're basically an Italian family. I was raised on The Sopranos from age eight Uh, which tells you a lot about my character. Uh, This movie, you know, I didn't think it was going to be that great. It didn't have a ton of buzz. You know, it was released on Disney Plus, you know, got some good reviews. I absolutely loved Luca. This movie was heartwarming. It was fun. It was adorable. It made me miss Italy so much I started looking up flights. I was like, I need to go to Italy. I need to. It's it's one of the, it's, it's an original Totally new idea. It was so much fun. The characters are all great. Even like the bad guy is so fun to just have on screen and watch him interact with other characters. Every character in this movie I loved. Every character. I cried. I laughed. Aiden and I could not stop talking about this movie. I can't recommend it enough. If you have not watched Luca yet, get Disney+. Plus. I'm sure you already have it. It's like an hour and a half of just pure, beautiful joy. And it's, it's like a great bowl of pasta. It's just something you never want to stop eating. And just you know it's going to make you feel good. Uh, I can't recommend Luca enough. It is, uh, you know, in terms of kids' movies, it goes Luca, Thunder Force, Toy Story, I would say. Uh, that's, that's about it. Uh, but Luca's top. Really can't recommend it enough. Surprised that more people don't talk about it. I... Truly loved Luca. Yeah. It's it's a small after after Soul, yeah. the last Pixar film, yeah. which felt like Pixar at its Pixariest. Yes. The absolute furthest you could take thought provoking, emotional, huge ideas. Yeah. This is the most small, low stakes. Yes. Like the stakes are about winning a race. Yes. And it's about three people hanging out in yeah. a single tiny town. It's the the scope of oh. like like a, an episode of a kid's show. But yes. it's the quality made with such love. And it's just so gorgeous. I, I really, really loved it. And it's yes. yet another example of a movie that came out this summer. Albeit, this is one that came straight 
to Disney Plus. And yeah. there have been a lot of people at Pixar who've come out and said, it's really shitty how Disney it is. how Disney Plus is treating our films because yeah. Soul was a very anticipated one. Even that was dropped straight on Disney Plus. Yep. There's no added fee, you know, it just kind of dropped on there. Yeah. You don't hear a whole lot about it. And like you said, how you said what's the difference between Pixar and Disney? Yeah. There was a time not that long ago mm-hmm. when the difference you felt that difference. Staggering like difference, it, it was yeah. yes, Disney animated films are getting better and better in quality. But Pixar was its own thing. Yes, Dangerous and company. and it almost feels like, in a really gross way, it feels like this is Disney's way of making the playing field, of kind of muddying the waters yeah. so that it yeah. all kind of feels like the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's that they're trying to, like, hurt the Pixar brand, but it's, like, elevating their own brand yeah. by throwing Pixar stuff on streaming. Yep. And, like you said, no one has talked about this movie. I feel no. like nobody has seen it. No. And it's excellent. It is Honestly, one of the best representations of like childhood fun and friendship that yeah. I've ever seen on film. Yeah, absolutely. And it's watching it with my son and being like, have you ever met a kid like that who acts like he knows everything but doesn't know anything? He goes, uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, that's why you should. Kids say a lot of stuff and they're very confident. Like, uh, the moon's a big fish. Felt it once. Felt like a fish. It's a Luca inside line. Uh, but it, it's just such a pure wonderful movie like the family aspect the friendship aspect this lovely little town and it all takes place in a in a in a 500 foot radius this whole movie you know like you could you could stand on top of a hill and see the whole movie play out like mm-hmm. and that's it's just such a cool concept and yeah pixar used to make really incredible standout films and they still are but now it's just you know people aren't watching them because they're just filtering out, you know, they're just kind of dribbling out of this, you know, Marvel, Disney, Pixar fountain. And, you know, it's, it's hard to catch all of it, but man, I was blown away by how much I love Luca. I like absolutely loved it. If I had to rank all Pixar movies, what I would define as the top tier, the absolute best ones are the ones that when they end, I think to myself, I'm so happy that my future children have this yes. movie. Oh, yes. Luca, the, just like the lessons about friendship. Yeah. And it's it's just pure. It's pure good. It's pure good. You're exactly right. And when you watch it with your son or daughter, eventually you're going to be a mess like me. Like I was weeping. Like, yeah, I wish I had this movie when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It, it's because you meet everybody's met these characters. Like everyone's met every one of these characters before in their life. And as adults, it's like, Oh yeah, I remember that, that type of person. Oh yeah. I remember that type of person. But for kids, it's like, Oh, I should, I should. Okay. All right. Some people are like that. Some people are like that. And it's just a, yeah. Wonderful morals, wonderful lessons. Just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Kevin, a person with an hour and 49 minutes on their hands could do all sorts of things. They could watch the Richard Linklater film School of Rock. Ooh. They could drive from L.A. to San Diego. Hmm. They could ride Splash Mountain at Disney World ten times. That seems I, cool. on the other hand, okay. spent an hour and 49 minutes listening to Donda, the latest 27-track album from Kanye West. I knew this was going to be one of your NIMBYs. I had this playing when you walked in tonight, and this was my second time through, and I'm very intrigued to get your thoughts because you're a bit of a, a Kanye stan. I 
Okay, I've talked about my history with Kanye West before on the show. I once would have called myself a diehard fan. Mm -hmm. I am definitely not that anymore, but I will always be interested in whatever he does next. Anytime he puts out new music, even when he's not at his best, you can still expect it to be refreshing, inventive, to Mm -hmm. defy expectations. Mm -hmm. His music is never dull. Until right now. I cannot believe how tedious it was to get through this album that I am never going to listen to in full for the rest of my life ever again. Donda. Donda. At first, I thought the problem was that he needed to trim the fat. Like maybe if he had pared it down to 10 or 12 of the best songs, maybe it could have been a great album. But I don't even know if that's actually true. There are a few standout tracks, Mm -hmm. I think mostly near the beginning, and his rapping isn't bad. He seems to be trying harder lyrically than he has in a really long time. Mm -hmm. But sonically, there is just barely anything there to latch on to. Before this, every album that he's put out has at least a few beats, if not mostly made up of beats, that are like nothing you've heard before. Mm -hmm. Even his last album, Jesus is King, which overall is bad. Yeah. Has a couple beats that are just insane. Yep. But after listening to Donda, I think he might have lost his touch. And I know a lot of people think he lost his touch long before this. Mm-hmm. But up until right now, I never thought he would put out a boring album. But here we are. So in a way, I guess he did defy expectations after all. That's what I'm saying. Is He could have put out a album of him playing a violin horribly and all of your reviews and critiques would have applied like it defied expectations. It's unique. I am, I was 14 when the college dropout came out and it was my favorite album Mm -hmm. ever. I was 17 when graduation came out and it was my favorite album ever. 808s and heartbreaks came out the next year. My beautiful dark twisted fantasy came out a couple years after that. And that one I liked, I didn't love. And then after that, I have not liked anything he's put out. And I was excited for this one. Obviously, he's put a ton of work into it. His whole, you know, kind of show tour of building a house in Soldier Field to put a mask on and play this music. Like, I thought it had to be good. And it's not. It's not good. Um, I have another friend who I would say is a more aggressive fan of Kanye. And he has still defended this. Um, Lynn is his name and uh, I want him to know that I'm calling him out on this podcast he thinks it's good and I don't understand that at all Um, I get that you know Kanye kind of found religion in a big way I think this album is very religious and and very you know it's like how many times can you say you believe in God and God has your back in like different ways I think every track just is a different version of that and yeah the music itself is not that good So I will continue to listen to College Dropout and Graduation and My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and I will continue to pretend that he has not done anything since. And that is all the time we have for Nimble News. I I think we can call it Nimble News now. It's pretty nimble. Coming in at a nice 40 minutes, Lars, much quicker than our our last one. Now let's dig into those crazy calzones and reminiscence. All right, so we just opened up this crazy calzone. Uh, There will be pictures on our Instagram at Fast Food Film Friends. Tell me what you're seeing. <laughs> it just looks like a pizza that's been absolutely massacred. <laughs> like it looks like it's been left alone with somebody who likes pizza way too much and they've completely had their way with it. <laughs> um, 
I don't understand how it works. Like, I don't get what is a piece of this. So we should describe for those who haven't seen it whatsoever. Basically, take a normal pizza. Mm-hmm. Each piece fold one corner over. There's no <laughs> way to describe this. Uh, it's I would just, say it's, take you, you. Okay. Take a normal pizza. Make two cuts like a normal pizza and then fold everything in. No. So it's a cross. You can't do that with It two makes cuts. a cross. Yeah, you go, bloop, bloop, and then you fold the corners in. Yeah, but see, it's also cut the other ways so that we could take it apart. Yeah, but that's after the fold, I think. And again, I don't understand what is a piece. I don't know what one piece of this is. Is it this whole fourth of it, or is it an eighth of it? I don't know. I mean, you and I are each going to eat half of this tonight. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm real hungry. Also, really covered in Parmesan, it looks Parm- like. I mean, here's here's what's kind of messing with me, is there's a lot of this burnt cheese just yeah. left on the ground that's the thing so when you you bake a regular pizza and you get a few of those little those little crusty flat burnt pieces on the yeah. end the way this pizza is folded and the cheese is just kind of oozing out yeah. and all a lot of opportunity all lumped up all over clearly there's a lot of cheese spillage yeah. mm-hmm. in the oven i don't know all of it all just, of it. i just want to read this description again um it features a, a folded calzone like crust it is filled with garlic white sauce, mozzarella cheese, julienne pepperoni with Parmesan cheese sprinkled on top. Comes with this crazy sauce, which I think is literally just marinara. I also got a side of buffalo ranch. Yeah. Sounds like it could be good for dipping this crust in. Could be in. very good. Could be very good. I like that, you know, the julienne uh, pepperoni is inside, but in the middle, they've just put normal pepperoni as well, you know, which is, uh, you know, I like that they're giving us a little variety here. Let's just, uh, let's tear it up. I want to try to just pick. A piece up. Do you think this is going to come up in a fourth, or do you think it's going to come up in an eighth? That has there has to be eight pieces there. You're right. There's no way they would make you pick up an entire fourth of this. Why not? It's and so the piece that you have on your plate now is what it looks like for the most part looks like a, a partial calzone, but one end of it it's kind of like a has, pizza cannoli. Uh, sure. <laughs> I, I just want to. I just want to eat it. I love derailing your detailed explanations for a way shittier explanation. Give me, give me a piece. Come on, right, get on in here. Okay. The calzone, the garlic sauce. This thing is loaded with cheese. Loaded. Oh my god. Loaded. This is really good. <laughs> really good. Wow. That garlic sauce is like, you know, you go to Papa John's. I'm the type of guy who just dumps the whole thing on top of the whole pizza. <laughs> It seems like that's what they've done here, which is great. I'm going to go for some crazy sauce. But, man, that is full of flavor. That's just marinara. That can't be their crazy sauce. That's a mistake. Do you think their crazy sauce is something else? I think it's literally just what they call their marinara. Why call it crazy? Why call the calzone crazy? The calzone is is infinitely crazier (laughs) than plain marinara sauce. All right, I'm going to have a bite. I'm going for the buffalo ranch. I'm already in it. Oh, did you ask for that specially? Mm-hmm. Oh, you, sir, deserve an award. They've only got like three or four dipping sauces, and this is one of them. This is mm. really good buffalo mm. ranch. Mm. Nice Very little spicy good. ranch here. I'm going on piece number two. I'm going for a bite just of the pizza end, because my piece has a lot of just that pizza, pepperoni pizza. How the pizza end still good. Here's the thing. <laughs> little Caesars, even on a normal day... Yeah. Puts out bangers. Oh, absolutely. $5 hot and ready? Yeah. And they fold those things up, stuff it with garlic sauce. 
overload it with mozzarella cheese. Wow. I mean, it's a home run. Absolutely. That's a grand slam. <laughs> I mean, this has been, so we, we've been chatting for what, two hours now? <laughs> so it's not even like that hot anymore. Imagine this fresh out of the oven. Oh my God, you'd be getting the aromas just pouring off it. This is so good. The Buffalo Ranch, again, I have to say is a stroke of genius. Each piece, I'd say about a half to two thirds of the piece is that calzone mm-hmm. with that garlic sauce, the Parmesan on top, yeah. loaded with cheese. The other third is basically just a plain piece of pepperoni pizza. Yep. Would you rather just get a box of these and they're just full calzones? No. Or do you like... I like the mix. You like it's both. I like the mix. Why I'm a man that? who loves variety. I'm a man who loves variety. And True. you know what? I can get a calzone anywhere. I can't get a crazy calzone anywhere else. <laughs> I think, too, you know, a lot of times when you're eating a calzone, it's too much crust. A lot of times when you're eating pizza, it's not enough crust. This is, they've perfected it. Every every pizza chain should just start folding their corners. Like, how has this just happened? It's 2021 and we're just trying new things with pizza. It blows my mind that nobody's thought to do this before. My impression when I first heard about this was that it would literally just be pieces of pizza folded over. Mm-hmm. But it's not. There's more to it than that. I'm just really pleasantly surprised. I'm blown away by this. I'm straight up blown away. Need you to explain something. Yes. Of all the delivery pizza chains, mm-hmm. why is Little Caesars easily the cheapest one? I I think it's because they just they probably I don't know they get a good deal on ingredients because they got their hot and ready. So they're just cranking out these pies all day. I think quantity wise, they're probably making a lot. So they're getting volume discounts on decent quality ingredients. I think they load up seasonings and sauces. And it's just it's just good. So you, think, so you think like a small, simple menu means that they can... They're not branching out and doing all the toppings, all the, all the specials. Generally, you go there, they've got something special going on, such as mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Other than that, pretty much everyone's either getting just a, a pep, a sausage, a cheese. Yeah, whatever's there. It's hot and ready. Mm-hmm. I have to say this thing is a mess, though. I just grabbed another piece. The lines are not well-defined in where the calzone or the pizza or the slices even start and end. But, God, it works so well. We've had that Buffalo Ranch on this show before, right? Have we done a Little Caesars or something or other? We had their pretzel pizza, and we dipped it in nacho cheese dipping sauce. I don't think we had this... uh, Buffalo Ranch, though. That Buffalo Ranch is off the charts. It's very good. If you could add some more toppings, either on the pizza portion or in the calzone, yeah. would you, and what would you add? I would add a, an extra four to five minutes in the oven. I like it. I'd like it a little crunchier. The topping, I said. I know, and I am going to ignore that and tell you how I would like it to be better. Uh, maybe some, maybe some green peps. Probably some onions. A little bacon. Instead of pepperoni on the inside, I'd have bacon on the inside with onions. And then pepperoni on the little pizza part. But then i bake it all until it's until it's a little crispier. What about you? I'm happy with life's blessings the way they are. Mm-hmm. So you and I, try as we might, did not finish this pizza. There is a... We might. There's a discussion early on in this film about happy endings. Mm-hmm. May, played by Rebecca Ferguson, says... Tell me a story with a happy ending. Hugh Jackman says, there's no such thing as a happy ending. That's right. All endings are sad, especially if the story was happy. Mm-hmm. And she says, then tell me a happy story and stop in the middle. Yeah. 
My question to you is simple. Are you glad you watched this whole movie, or do you wish you'd stopped watching in the middle? Man, that is a good question for this movie. Uh, I wish I would have stopped watching with about 25 minutes left. Mm. Would you say maybe like proportionally like one piece of the pizza left? Yes, exactly, actually, exactly. Because it was... The movie's just pure noir. Like, it's it's like an old detective movie. His voiceovers yes. are, to find where she'd gone, I'd have to go where she'd been. The Bairds stay afloat by drowning everyone else. They say the only people who survived the Titanic were the rich and the rats. The Bairds were both. It's, like, it's those <laughs> kinds of aphorisms that, today, you only see those in parodies. Yeah. On, like, Looney Tunes. Yes. You don't see those sincerely. Yes. Which is, again, why earlier... I was drawing connections between this movie and In the Heights because I feel like they're both earnest love letters mm-hmm. to genre, of genres past. But the, okay, so you never saw this movie. You never saw Motherless Brooklyn, right? No, I did not. It was another true noir movie, like a a, a good old fashioned. Also, did not do well. Also, didn't do well. No. Also, an original movie that didn't do well. But those parts of this movie worked for me. Like it worked for me. Like, granted, it's it's him saying this, and it's the same, you know, shots of the ocean lapping onto the highway and things like that while he says this. But I, you buy into it because the production design is so extravagant. Because this world's so well built, you're like, hell yeah, give me a good old fashioned detective thriller, one hundred percent. And it, it takes some mental adjusting it at does. first. Because at does. first you're like, wait, this is really what they're doing this yeah. is really just a straight up noir yes not even just like noir influence but no. just it, it is it is an yeah, entry it is like a 1940s movie yes with 2021 special effects yes. in production and set in 2030 i don't know what year it is but set in the future so it's like and this is why i think the first 10 minutes of this movie you you're trying to get your bearings and it's kind of hard at first and then once you settle in and I think it's right around when Rebecca Ferguson comes in. You're kind of like, okay, lady in the red dress. Mm-hmm. They're they're into it. Like this is what it's going to be, and it is. I think it it takes some adjusting because at first you're like, oh my god, I can't handle Hugh Jackman doing this fucking voiceover the whole movie. And by the end of it, you're like, take me, like guide me, Hugh. Again, I can't. I think it just says volumes about how well built the set and the production design is. But uh, it is, yeah. A straight up noir trying to crack a case, essentially. And it's it's good in that respect for 78% of the movie. I completely agree that I, I was just sitting there thinking, I'm, I'm really, really liking this. Yeah. Like, And once again, this is why it feels like I dreamt this movie existed. Because yeah. I'm like, how is no one seeing this? No one talking about it. No one yeah. cares about this. This yeah. is a really cool movie. Well, it's, you know, it, it, it opens and... And it's, you know, his kind of shop is like, what a cool set for his shop. It's like on a partially flooded street, you go in and it's. So I kind of want to set the stage for those who don't know anything about it. So opening shot, magnificent in in IMAX, especially Mm -hmm. it is this flyover shot of Miami, except Miami is. Yeah, it's it's mostly sunken. Yeah, but it's not abandoned no the buildings are still being used it's mm-hmm. just that everyone is on boats yep people are using boats to get to like maybe what was the third or fourth floor of a building yeah. is now the main level of the building mm-hmm. and you're seeing it's at night so there's like there's nightlife happening yeah there's like commerce happening people going to their their homes yeah it's the world building is so cool well, it is it's just so and it's so massive it is instantly 
it's this dystopia, but it's not like this movie reminds you of so many other movies. Mm-hmm. It reminded, like you said, Inception. Yeah. I think it's got Blade Runner vibes. Yeah. Even like kind of like Memento, mm-hmm. Minority Report. Like yep. my mind was constantly reeling comparing it to other things. Yes. But the one thing that I've never seen in a different movie is this dystopia depicted so beautifully mm-hmm. yet so hopelessly. Yeah. Like these people's lives, they have nothing to live for. But because of this like very specific situation where they're forced to stay in this city that's flooded, yeah. they're making the most of it. And that's kind of what this this romance between the two of them is centered around. Yeah. Is like shit is literally sinking around us. Yeah. But like this love, this this little fling we have is all we have, all we're living for. I think it's I think it's a really good depiction of like in my mind, it's it seems really realistic. People don't want to leave their homes. They don't want to leave their businesses. If this happens, people aren't just going to run away. They're going to make do where they're at because where the hell else are you going to go? Yeah, and and they also there's like explanations about yeah. why the world, why the country's set up the way it is, why people have to stay in, in these coast yep. cities. Yep. But you mentioned the building where Hugh Jackman does his work. Yep. So again, just setting the stage. Hugh Jackman and Tandy, actually, her name is Tandy Wade Newton. She, it's like the original spelling. She's going by that now. Mm. So Hugh Jackman and Tandy Wade Newton, their jobs, they're these private investigators of the mind. Yeah. People come to their office. They lay in a pool. He talks them through this memory recreation yeah. device. So they can relive the Where past. he can physically see holograms, basically, of their memories. Mm-hmm. Either people do this for just pure nostalgic reasons, yep. or they do it because they're trying to figure something out from their past, or like the cops force people to do this because yeah. they, they can figure out clues that way. I, I think, you know, and if you watch the trailer, I think the line is like, you know, there wasn't anything to look forward to. So nostalgia became, you know, we had to look backwards on what whatever the fucking line is. But it's it's such a it's a concept that makes so much sense because and yeah. it's so topical for today when we're like COVID global warming there's a f- huge hurricane that like hit New Orleans like two days ago the biggest one of the biggest ones ever and it's like yeah you know what not much I'm looking forward to in the future as humanity crumbles mm-hmm. as like despair surrounds us we are not going to wake up one day and say the apocalypse started Mm-mm. Mm-mm. we are going to Literally sink into this yes. until oblivion. Yeah. There's no mass catastrophe. It's just like these people that live in Miami in this movie, the sea levels rising over decades. Yeah. There is no freak out moment. No, it's they are just small adjustments. And, and they're just kind of despondent. Like when, when it is tiny step by tiny step, you just adapt mm-hmm. and it becomes the new normal. Yes. It's just a slow descent. And I, this past year, we basically made it a regular segment on this show now where we draw connections between these movies that were made before COVID and comparing them to our times right now and how apt they are. But the past year and a half, I have found myself, I've gotten into old musicians and movies Mm -hmm. and just culture. Comfort. In a way. But Far older than me. Yeah. Not even like 90 stuff. I'm talking like 60 stuff. Yeah. And it's because I'm like, I want so badly to not exist in 2020 or 2021. Yep. I would rather mentally transform myself yeah. to like, and I'll list, I've gotten really into like country western music Hell yeah. of like the early 20th century. Wow. And it's 
the strangest shit. And there's like this direct correlation between like when things are bad in the world yep. and how much I'm listening to old country music. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. It goes, well, it's like it's with Aiden, you know, we watch Charlie Chaplin movies. We've been getting into old movies right. like that, like City Lights. And he loves them. And I'm like, the whole fucking world used to laugh at this guy for dumping wine on another guy. Like the whole world. That's like, granted, they had their worries and concerns too. But like, of course. That's what entertained them, and that's what took their mind off everything. And I'm like, to get my mind off stuff, shockingly, it still only takes Charlie Chaplin pouring wine on somebody. <laughs> but, like, in my own head, I'm like, I can't watch modern things because they all touch on these things that are everyday stressors. Like, it's, 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 and it's, it wears on you eventually. Uh, and this movie definitely is front of the mind when you're thinking about, like, oh, well, there's another, like, climate change is hitting hard. Like, their whole thing is like, the Miami sun cooks everyone during the day. So it's a literal nocturnal city. Yeah, which is so cool which because in daytime, a cool... it's a ghost town. Yes. Everyone's asleep. I want the one part of the, That's one part of this movie I want more of. I want to see more of that transition from our world today to where they are today. Because it's basically just Hugh Jackman telling you like, sun's too hot. We're nocturnal now. And then everyone's just has He's explaining away things that would be really cool to, Super to cool. watch. Give yeah. me a half hour of like these minor adjustments, you know, give me, he can still do the voiceover, but like, let me see shopkeepers, you know, boarding up their first floor, you know, let me see what's, how we got to this point more because it's the world is the meat here. I think the mm -hmm. story is not in my mind, the meat of this. No. It's I want to watch this world unfold. I don't care what characters I'm looking at. I just want to know more details about everyday life for the people in this world. And this movie did not give me enough of that. But again, that speaks to how great they did with the limited amount they put in. Uh, it's just such a, such a cool concept and really a cool world. And I wish the story would have been better in this awesome world. Yeah. You, you reminded me that um, I saw this movie on a Saturday afternoon and I saw two movies back to back that day. I always am like, Oh, I'm going to upset it. I'm going to have like five free hours. Yeah. Perfectly timed two movies. I watched The Protégé, which is an action movie oh, with yeah, Michael Keaton. Yeah. And then this, Protégé was really bad. Yeah. Like this a lot more. Didn't look but good. I spent my afternoon at the movie theater for literally like four hours. And it, it was really fun. And I yeah. you know, got snacks and drinks and it, it was a good time. After Reminiscence, got in my car. It's like five, six o'clock. Check my phone. Looking at like Instagram and Snapchat stories. Yeah. All my friends are out living their best life <laughs> on, a, on a gorgeous Saturday. Like a gorgeous yeah. Saturday. Yeah. And I realized movies are my reminiscence. Yeah. These, yes. I would rather spend a perfect day mm -hmm. inside mm -hmm. with five people in an IMAX theater yeah. disconnecting from the world than being in that world. Yeah. I think I think your translucent skin speaks to that very loudly. <laughs> I think that's true. I am I am of two minds there because there are days when I'm like absolutely on board with you, and I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to talk to anyone. I want to disconnect. I want to be somewhere else. And there's other days where I'm like, let's go. Everyone I know, what are we doing? Yeah, and it's yeah. it's this weird switch that flips. But I think most of the time, like most nights. When I'm home or, or even most weekends when I have free time, I'm like, what movie am I going to see? I'm excited to go on my AMC app and figure out, like, <laughs> what can I see? Because I just, I love it so much, too. So I totally get that. And, uh, yeah, that was probably a, yeah. I mean, coming out of that movie especially, you're like, oh, man. I'm surprised they haven't sunk yet. You know? <laughs> 
Yeah. So you mentioned uh, like the design of the building where they they do their work. Yeah. Um, they basically taken over what looks to be like a very nice hotel, yeah. like like an Art Deco style hotel. Mm-hmm. Is now just the lobby is pretty much empty, and it just yeah. has this giant pool with a big hologram. Yeah. There's a lot of this like. Art Deco style reminded me. Did you ever play the Bioshock games? I did. Yeah, very. The much like so. underwater Art Deco yeah. style. They gave yeah. me Bioshock vibes. Like the club sign when they pull up to the club, like mm-hmm. Coco Cabana or whatever yeah. it is. Absolutely. And just like the all these settings, it's extravagant places or just like cool looking places yeah. that are like I said, it's this beautiful dystopia. Yeah. And just the amount of work that went into the design of oh. this world and making it feel so familiar. Well. I think it, it, it the the thing that's so hard is it has to toe the line of being lived in and ext- and built for extravagance like Miami is. And let me just say, I'd rather go to Miami in this movie than Miami today. <laughs> um, but it, it's this it's these beautiful buildings, but it has to be dilapidated enough. But people are still there, and it's this really hard line to toe of like livability, but also deterioration. And it's so perfectly done. Every building they're on, you know, it's like. Clearly, somebody still lives here, but clearly, there's not a landlord like taking care of right. us anymore. No one's taking out the trash. No, and it's it's and that's it. Just is so immersive in that sense. It's so immersive, and I I just oh, I absolutely love every building they go to. Like when they're when she says that happy ending thing, they're on the top of like this gorgeous building yeah. that apparently is just like her apartment in some aspect. But it's just insane to me. But it's like oh yeah what are people going to do? Like live in a office building or like, you know, they, they all have carved up these little spots and they're pulling up in little taxis with trolling motors. It's just like, it's the most immersive set I've seen. And like just setting I've seen in so long. Speaking of immersive sets, yeah. um, the hologram machine oh, I've where some, I've got some issues with this, where uh, basically memories are projected. Yeah. Hugh Jackman is standing watching this and, Full life-size memories are playing out mm-hmm. on this giant circle, yeah. which basically has these, what would you call, just like a, a thousands of strings of some kind hanging I, down. I, I said strings in my notes, but I was like, I don't like, know what like they are. Very thin wire Like or LED wires. But at the same time, like he walks in there at a certain point and it's like, sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. It was kind of one of my main issues was like, these wires seem to be necessary for the holograms, but apparently you can just like brush them aside and then they leave you alone and you don't it was weird it was weird to me like so technical flaws have you by chance read about these at all no they are not cgi they built this giant hologram rig that actually existed in that space with the actors hugh jackman's walking around it in three dimensions the camera is circling it he's actually looking at at a 3d hologram so that's and where so are we. $50 million went. <laughs> yes. At one point, like you said, he steps into the hologram. Yeah. That is all real in-camera practical effects. No way. The only reason that we, and by we, I mean the entire internet, knows that much. What I just told you is like everything anyone knows about this. Yeah. The only reason we know that much is because Hugh Jackman brings it up in every interview because he was in absolute awe when he first saw it. Man. And he said... It broke his heart that audiences might not know that it's real. Never would have guessed. So he urged Lisa Joy to like sell that, like talk about it more. Yeah. From what I can find, she barely will even acknowledge it. It's like she would rather people, the illusion be there yeah. and not talk about it. I just hope to God there's 
someday, like wow. a behind the scenes featurette on the DVD or something. Yeah. They created this insane technology. That's nuts. And you, you know who it's for? It's for Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Because when he's, he's like acting against these moments. Oh, yeah. And instead of them having to like hold up a stick, it's like pretend this is a memory. He's actually watching this video That's happen insane. in three dimensions. I had no idea. It's wild. That is absolutely wild. If you see this movie, you will understand how insane this is because I, yeah. And you got to imagine. It's hard for me to wrap my brain around. You have to imagine it could have so easily been done with CGI. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, there's no doubt in your mind that, like, oh, yeah, this is is even like a cutting edge CGI technology. No, I was 100% sure it was just basic CGI. That's wild. Okay, I'll take back my criticisms of that then because that's very impressive. If, if there doesn't end up being like a, some bonus content on like the Blu-ray about yeah. this, I'm just going to buy it or rent it just to watch that because I have to know. I, and I, Yeah, I will, I will sit there and watch it with you. I think, you know, that whole 3D technology is made even more amazing. And, and one touch, again, that speaks to the world building here is when they go to like the government building for an interrogation scene, they have like the overhead projector version of his like 3D tech. Like they, right, right. they've got a 2D like put on a movie screen version of it. And it's like, oh, so Hugh Jackman's doing top of the line technology, mm-hmm. which literally in real life, apparently they are too. Um, but I, I just, it's such a good touch. Like, of course the government's not going to have, you know, SpaceX rockets landing back down. Like they're going to have some outdated thing that's been approved and they've had for years. And like, I just thought that was such a cool, like it's a small little bit, but I was like, I, I loved it so much. It made, again, yeah. it just makes you believe what you're seeing so much more. So Lisa Joy wrote this role with Hugh Jackman in mind from the very beginning. She also kind of molded uh, Tanya Wayne Newton's role to fit her specifically. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this movie could have been better and or more successful with different actors? Or do you feel yes. like this was the right casting? Hugh's not right. Uh, Is there anyone who comes to mind? Leo? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it I think it would have been good with, you know, give me a Dev Patel in this. Give me give me somebody, you know, give me a Pattinson. Like, I would love to see Pattinson in this role. I think somebody who does, you know, I don't, you know, you see Hugh Jackman and you just kind of get taken out of whatever it is. Because you're like, it's Wolverine. I know Hugh Jackman so well. Neither musical or angry versions. And it's... It, it just takes me out. And I don't I don't think he's the best actor in, in general. Yeah. So, yes, I think it could have been better with a lot of people. I would have rather seen an unknown in this movie. I think everyone should have been an unknown. I didn't know Rebecca Ferguson well. I've seen her in a few things, but... Um, I mean, so basically the premise of it, Rebecca Ferguson walks into the office one day, mm-hmm. says she needs help remembering where she put her keys, she yeah. lost them. And so then they look at her memories... The two of them fall in love. Things are looking up. Things are yeah. looking up. Yeah. And then uh, things change from there. Mm-hmm. We should jump into spoilers soon to kind of go through the rest of what happens in this movie because there's a lot. A lot. But before we do that, I, I just want to say, you know, on our last episode, we talked a lot about like what makes a good movie, yeah. what it means to kind of enjoy a movie. Yeah. And I just really, really cherish interesting movies yes. and and not all movies are gonna be good but i would so much rather have an intriguing yep. thought-provoking yep. fresh movie with big flaws mm-hmm. than a movie that is very well put together but shows me nothing Cookie new cutter. and this is the same reason why i can't help but enjoy old the m night Shyamalan movies because i thought you were gonna, you were gonna say thunder force <laughs> 
these are old reminiscence are both just movies that I'm like, man, I could make a long list of problems with them. Like yeah. there could, there's some serious story problems that need some work, but God, I'm glad they exist. Yeah. And these are the kind of fun summer surprises where yeah. like it's a, it's a season filled with these blockbusters that are for the most part pretty cookie cutter mm-hmm. a lot of sequels mm-hmm. but you see one on a saturday afternoon like reminiscence and you're like man not what i expected no not great but pretty cool <laughs> yeah just a cool concept executed well lacking in some areas but fun and i think not a lot of people have appreciation for things like that uh, I think both both of us do, and probably a lot of, I guess a lot of people appreciate unique things, but I don't think people are going to sit down for two hours to to get that, you know, and it takes a, it takes a, a, a person of a certain ilk to do that. Um, so if you listening are not yet sold, just come join us in spoilers. Yeah. We're going to go through everything. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun. You're not going to watch it anyways. <laughs> so <laughs> look, come, it come is listen. already out of IMAX theaters. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. You missed the boat. Watch the boat was taking you from one building to the next. Oh man, those boats! It's it's. If you are intrigued at all by what we've said so far, I will ask you to stop listening and watch it. Take two hours of your life and watch it. It's just a cool movie, and I don't want it to be ruined for you. Granted, the ending is the worst part, but still, (laughs) watch it. It's just such a cool movie. It's a cool movie, not a great movie. It's a cool movie, and that's. I think there's a. Big distinction between good and cool, and this one's cool. Very much. Yeah. I, I can't believe how much we agree about yeah. this. I wait for the day when you and I will just really feel differently about oh, things. Oh, it'll, um, it'll happen. Before we get into spoilers. Thunder Force. Before we get into it's, spoilers. I'm, I'm surprised there know, were no crab arms. I want to let... I am too. You'd think people in water for that long. What's going to happen? I'm going to bring up Thunder Force in every episode for the rest of this podcast. I just want to know that. Before we get into spoilers, let's hear a word from our sponsor. When the waters began to rise, and the wars and COVID broke out, nostalgia became a way of life. There wasn't much to look forward to, so people began looking back. Nothing is more addictive than the past. Unless your past is littered with awkward encounters, missed goals, letdowns, and a general sense of disappointment. If that's you... Then Mike's Memory Abyss is for you. Come into our state-of-the-art facilities and hop into one of our isolation chambers, and we'll make sure that for the duration of your visit, you won't see any memories from the past, any hopes from the future, just a blank, empty abyss. Your brain activity will completely cease, so you can finally get that restorative, wonderful serenity that has been missing from your life for so long. Use code FASTFOODFILMFRIENDS at www.makeitallgoaway.com for 10% off your first session. And we are back, and it's time for our spoiler snack segment. We're going to mm. spoil all of Reminiscence, mm-hmm. and we're also going to eat a snack. Kevin, I want to do something a little different. Wow. Before I pull out the snack, because I, I like to surprise you with these, mm-hmm. I'm going to show you a picture of the snack online. Do you, before you show me the picture, is this because you don't think it's going to look like the picture? I've seen the snack. So you know it doesn't look like the picture. Just take a look at littleseizures.com and tell me what you see. Describe it. Uh, it is a cookie dough brownie, which appears to be a brownie base with uh, cookie on top, cookie dough on top with M&M's topping it. Chocolate chip cookie dough, M&M's topping it. Uh, so kind of like a, a brookie, as some people describe sure. it, but uh, layered. What do you expect presentation-wise? Uh, I'm guessing it's going to be 
not cleanly cut like that. I'm guessing the M&Ms are going to be like two M&Ms placed on one corner. How about this? Not the ingredients themselves, but how when I show this to you, tell me literally what you expect to see. I know this might sound like I'm trying to guide you to the <laughs> I, right answer, but I just ex- like I expect to see a swirled brownie with a couple of minutes. Before it. you even see the brownie, what do you expect me to pull out of my bag? A cookie dough brownie? I don't know what you want from me, Nathan. You showed me this okay. picture. If you would have just told me the description. I, I hope that you would. I think that once I show it to you, you're going to get what I was going for. Yeah. Okay. One second. Close your eyes. Okay. Open them. Oh. So tell me now, tell me what you thought versus what you're seeing. I thought this would be like freshly baked, loose in a cardboard box. That's exactly what I was trying to guide you to. Yeah. It's in a box that opens. Well. A square. Who, in a square. Who would expect something else? You know? That's well, now what do you see in front of you? I see something I would find at a gas station that's wrapped in plastic and I don't want to eat because it's probably just been sitting in a little Caesars for months while they were developing the crazy calzone. <laughs> so let's uh open up this cellophane. So and it's also it's in a nice row. Yeah. I mean, I will say, in terms of the actual item itself, very representative right. of the picture. But not fresh. So we opened up this uh, row of brownies. Frankie These things is are extremely intrigued. <laughs> the dog definitely wants some. These things are so soft. Are they? Oh, are they like cosmic brownie soft? Well, let's just pull them apart and kind of give them a feel. The cookie oh dough my God. is like... Melted. It's like That's mush. raw. That's raw. It's like pudding. Brownie also feels pretty. Moist. I mean, a little spongy almost. I mean, these are the things that, again, a Twinkie sits in a gas station for a decade and it still is moist. So, like, they're using the... I don't feel good about what I'm putting into my body, but we just ate a crazy calzone, so... It's a cosmic brownie. I guarantee this is made by the same people who make cosmic brownies. It's a cosmic brownie with raw dough on top. Which does nothing. If, if anything, just give me the brownie with M&M. Artificial... Brownie. Overly moist. I'm not going to turn it down. I know you wouldn't. Here's what I want. I want this mm-hmm. in like a, like a small pizza round yes. cut into pieces. That I like. Then take each piece, take one corner, fold it over, <laughs> stuff it with garlic butter mm. and mozzarella cheese, sprinkle with Parmesan. Yeah, I'd eat that. Remove the M&M's, replace with pepperoni. Mm. Remove the cookie dough, replace with pizza sauce. Yep. Remove the brownie, replace with dough. Oh. Yeah, I could eat that. That's dessert. That's breakfast, lunch, and dinner right there. <laughs> All right, so spoiler talk for the movie. Mm-hmm. Rebecca Ferguson goes missing. Yeah. And then Nick is trying to find her by reminiscing, looking for clues. That becomes his search, is yes. finding her. I'm going to do something fun. Okay. I want you, without looking at your computer, you can check your notes or whatever, but don't, don't look it up. Yeah. I want you to walk the listeners through the entire rest of the plot. Okay. And I will help you along the way. We'll probably have some tangents, but I want you to tell me the entire rest of the movie. Absolutely, I can do that. I've got great notes. Uh, I do want to ask you if, because this is something I've struggled with remembering. Do you think that when she walks in first, we see her, that whole encounter Mm -hmm. is real time? Because there's a point in the movie where she pulls him out of the tank, you know? And it almost seems like we've just been watching 
the memories he's been reliving. I think it's one or the other. I think it's either yeah. we're watching his memory completely okay. or yeah. Okay. I, either way, yes, up until a point we're seeing something that actually happened. Yep. Then we jump to him. It's it's almost like he's being woken from a nightmare where yeah. he's like every day he's reliving these happy memories of yeah. them sitting on a beautiful rooftop yeah. and being ripped out of it because she disappeared. Mm-hmm. No one, he doesn't know where she is. And he's okay, so let me tell you the rest of the plot of this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let me tell you. The tail end, you're going to have to help a lot. Uh, he's looking for her everywhere. He's trying to figure it out. There's a drug that is somehow floating around the streets called Baca, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they use this technology that, that he does for work uh, to interrogate criminals. Cops do. Cops do. They, they basically force him to, to, to help. Get into people's memories. And he goes in for an interrogation. This is where that kind of 2D technology comes up on this overhead screen, basically. And watching this criminal's memories, they see the the guy they're trying to get who is St. Joe, I believe. Yeah, so the guy who's hooked up to the machine is like comatose. Yes. And he used to work for St. Joe yeah. dealing Baca. A Baca dealer. And who's to pop up? other than May, in New Orleans at St. Joe's Place. She's a singer. She's like a ball barroom singer. Yeah. I guess, I guess is, her, yeah. is her specialty. And then, But this memory they're watching is from like years, years ago. ago. Years before ago. Before he met her. Correct. Because he only knew her for a couple weeks. But he's like, no, she's not an addict. He doesn't believe it. He's like, she's a good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does Baca in this memory. She's introduced to Baca by St. Joe. Um, St. Joe, my absolute favorite character in this movie. Yeah, he's great. Yes. And it make not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but he's not the only villain character. No. I don't know why he isn't. He should keep St. Joe in it. Yes. What they kill him off? Like it doesn't make any sense to me how it, That's that's when the movie takes a turn, I think. Absolutely. Into Absolutely. Let me get there, Nathan. <laughs> Let me get there. <laughs> That's a wild, Let me get there. So St. Joe, his acting's not great. Let me just say, he's got some lines that are like... He's such a campy villain. So campy. He literally at one point opens a briefcase to see like two chrome pistols yes. and you're like, give yes. me this. I and, want St. Oh Joe. God. And like he's got this tank of electric eels and like once somebody shoots it, he <laughs> yes. literally just says, my tank! <laughs> like 100% the most campy villain ever, but it's great. Uh, so he goes to New Orleans to find St. Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets there. St. Joe's obviously like, this guy's not a fucking drug addict. He's here for some bad reason. Boom, big shootout. Uh, May comes to save him. No, May is who he's looking for. No, not Watts. May. Watts comes, comes to, save to save him. Watts him. comes to save him. Yeah. Tandy Wade Newton? Tandy Wade Newton, yeah. Tandy and Wade. and so Nick, Hugh Jackman, is being held in a fish tank yeah. by some goons. With electric eels. With electric eels. I, which I have to say, the... The underwater photography in yeah. this movie, yes. gorgeous. Like well, the, the lighting, and that's amazing. the lighting underwater, and especially in the sets. There's a point, you know, a later fight scene yes. we'll get to in this abandoned, ornate building with a, a piano that's left there, and like yes. the the footage is gorgeous. Yes, there's the light gorgeous. shining down into a theater. Yes, that is, it's like covered in barnacles. It's and stuff. so cool. And, it's, it's and this little eel scene is like a mini preview for what's to come. Uh-huh. So Watts saves them. They kind of reconvene. They've been kind of fighting because Watts is like, stop going after this girl. He keeps going after her. He goes, I need to look at your last memory with May. Look it up. And she... He, he's, he tells Watts that. Yes. He tells Watts that. Yeah. And Watts, as the alcoholic she is, gets drunk with May, 
leaves her alone. May takes the key. There's this stupid tune that Hugh Jackman like hums all the time that his parents hummed. Yeah, it's like a, it's a song that means a lot to him. Yeah, and yeah. that's like you have to be humming that tune for his safe to open, the safe of everyone else's memories that he keeps there. Which, several questions about this memory technology. Why do you need a small, like, disc to keep it on? And why does he have to watch the memories? Like, it seems like this could all just happen in your head. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the customers are coming for, like, maybe help with something. Like, I, yeah. I, you are right that the ones who are coming just for nostalgia purposes... You think there could be an option that's just yeah. like, can you not peek in on me yeah. banging Seriously. my old fling? Seriously. And why are you saving this? Yes. There's no, there's not really any reasoning given for like why every single one of these has to be logged <laughs> and, and, and put in a library. No, there's not. There's not. Unless you want to blackmail people later on down the road. And so there's, I think even before May comes into it, there's this uh, woman, uh, yes. Elsa, Elsa. who is getting to Elsa. Thank you very well, much. Well, she is a repeat customer and yep. she every time watches the same memory yep. of her having sex with an older dude. Yeah. And, and at says, first, that's all we know about her. Yes. And he says something like, I'll always take care of you. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, we find out Elsa uh, had a son, you know, not really connected to this old guy. We don't know who this old guy is yet. Um, and then we find out Elsa's dead because he goes to find Elsa. He's still trying to find May. He knows that Elsa's somehow involved, I think. Uh, and so he goes to find her. She's dead. Her son's missing. Nobody knows what's going on. So he's worried about the son now. There's also around this time, um, there's like this prominent figure in the city. Walter Sylvan. He dies. Yeah. And in during the news footage... Sorry, I just had a tiny <laughs> helicopter deliver more <laughs> Buffalo Ranch to me. <laughs> so Walter Sylvan is like a politician. He's like, okay, just to give you more context and just to fill in the gaps that we're inevitably going to leave. The barons are like the super wealthy. They literally built dams around their elevated land that flooded the rest of the city. So essentially they said, fuck all of you who can't afford to buy your own raised land. And, and, and the reason why they own so much land is because there was a war yep. years this ago, is which is constantly not covered at all. No, it's constantly referenced, and people are always like either becoming friends with each other or enemies yes. based on their position in the war. That's what I don't. And think. I was going to ask you, what on earth was the war? The war, the border, and the levies are mentioned like forty-seven times. And I have no idea what any of it is. I'm like, this is why I need more information about the world building, how they get to this point, because they're like, ah, the war. Like, apparently it was somewhat racist. uh, I think, yeah, classist, because there was some people were drafted, some didn't go. And like, there's people in these coast cities who are now being forced to live where the land is sinking. Yep. It's because these barons have the good land and they're building dams. Uh, Walter Sylvan was a, a baron. Yep. He died. Mm-hmm. There's news footage of him. In that footage, Nick and Watts, one of them or both of them, hears his voice and instantly goes, oh, that's the old dude in Elsa's Reminiscence. sex memory. Yeah. That must have been the guy. <laughs> Reminiscent sex memory. That must have been the guy who she was banging. Yeah. And, but meanwhile, on the TV, dude has a wife and yep. a kid yep. a grown son but he also recognizes the wife and says she came in for a session once yes uh there's more 
crossed yarns. Oh my god! On this, so many, so many. The, every the dot Pinterest is, board on like state shaped art. Every yes, every <laughs> single dot is connected. That and possibly it's, could be. My, okay, so he goes. To, he goes to the Baron's house. Real quick, you mentioned that Elsa was murdered. Yeah. Did you mention that her like son was kidnapped God. by someone who Missing. matches the description of May? Yes. So Nick thinks that May kidnapped the kid. Potentially, yes. Uh, also, early on in the interrogation scene, there's a cop hanging out with St. Joe. Uh, oh, yeah, a dirty cop. And they cop, say, yeah. oh, that's a dirty cop kind of offhand comment. We find out that this dirty cop worked for Walter Sylvan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes to the Baron's house. And it's the weirdest fucking thing. That's not quite yet. Okay. So the the dirty cop. Yeah. His name's Cyrus Booth. Yep. Cliff Curtis yes. is the actor. Um, Crooked cop, CC. That's how I remembered it. In Nick's search for May, he encounters Booth, the dirty cop. Yeah. They and he's attacked by him. Mm-hmm. Um at this point, here's the assumption. Yeah. Walter Sylvan, the Lamb Baron, had an affair with Elsa. Mm-hmm. She has a child, which would be Walter's illegitimate son. Yeah. Then Walter died. Yes. The people that worked for Walter when he was alive are, for some reason, trying to keep that past affair from coming out. Yes. So they have to get rid of Elsa and her son. Yeah. But also, any proof of the affair, such as recordings of her memories in the vaults of the office where she would go and relive those uh, sex dreams. Yeah. Reminiscences. Booth, the dirty cop, knows May yeah. from their days in St. Joe's in New Orleans. Baca trap. Yeah. yeah. Baca trap. <laughs> so do you realize there's nobody who's still listening to this episode? B who if they are, they're like, what are these two talking about right now? And I'm so happy if you are still listening, it's gonna pay off big. So Nick assumes that Booth had May. Steal the recordings mm-hmm. of Elsa yeah. from Nick and Watts yeah. to protect Walter Sylvan's widow yep. and son from knowing from knowing about the affair. Yes. At this point, like consolidating characters is very important when it comes to like improving a screenplay. Yeah. Why on earth? Are there so many goddamn characters in this movie? Again, I'll never understand why we needed another villain beyond St. Joe. I'll never understand why the Baron even matters. Like, just make it the love story and make it that she had a Baca at, like, addiction. That's all you need to do. It, it just doesn't... It's way... It starts getting convoluted here. And then he go, when he walks into the Baron's house, he knocks on the front oh. door. He knocks on the front door like, hey, I need... And the guy goes, I know why you're here. <laughs> I was like, what? And then you see it's 50 people walking around this massive property, all dressed in the same outfit, all the same height. The guy goes, you're a little tall. And he puts him in this. Hugh Jackman just goes along with it, apparently. Puts him in this same outfit. Uh, and he remembers after this, I think, that the wife came to his shop and you know, reminisced with this memory of Telling Walter that she's pregnant. She's, when they were like young. When they were young. She's happy. He says the same thing he says to Elsa. Like, I'm going to take care of you no matter what. Um, and she, it's a memory that she clearly treasured because she went to his shop to reminisce about it. Now that he's dead, the estate apparently has hired a hundred actors to constantly recreate this moment. They have built this same clock shop that it takes place in in his home. It is the set from... 
25 years ago, whenever it happened, that is in their house and she just spends her days reliving this memory over and over again. She's clearly not all there mentally. Uh, her son even like plays into it sometimes, which is very odd and weird. Uh-huh. Um, just very strange. And that's when he realizes, you know, oh, I know this memory. I know this woman. He, and, and he goes there because his only lead at this point to finding May is this whole convoluted affair and cover up. So mm-hmm. he's going to her to see if she can somehow point him in the right direction, like to yeah. Booth or if she knows May. Yep. And and yeah, he plays basically in their basement, plays the part of her dead husband yeah. recreating this memory. And then he he's not playing along. He's trying to talk to her, ask her about these things. And yeah. she kind of snaps out of it for a second. A second. But like, what is going on with her brain? A, what, what is it? A, they have this wonderful technology that lets people relive memories. What? This guy's a millionaire. Put her in a fucking tank and Cr- let her do that all day. Like, you don't need actors and a real set. Like, is it that Nick is the only person who can do this and they, for some reason, don't want her to go there? Also, what's wrong with her going there and someone else seeing it? It's a completely innocent memory. It doesn't make any sense to me. Why it, are they going to such work? straight up blew my mind. They can't just, like you said, they can't just buy one of these machines. No. They have to build a authentic 1972 clock shop. The son is like, no, I want to be my dad. It's very weird. The son's very weird. Uh, but do you get the impression that whatever's going on with her mind was there before Walter died? Or definitely. she's like in shock? Definitely. No, I think, I think she knew about the affair, probably went into denial, and then developed just a basically an, an altered state of mind where she rejects reality and only accepts this one you know the good part of her life which is probably a very small clearly a very small part now that i think of it there is the whole thing about how if you reminisce the same memory too much it does yeah. gives you brain damage yeah. so maybe like she did that same memory so much that that got her to that point so she's just can only remember that. and so now that's why she can't go back there yeah that because be. that would just like that could be it would damage we don't further. know we don't know the woman is not all there is all we know but she points Nick to Booth's location. Yes. Uh, and again, this is another thing that is just not sufficient. Like this guy's intro, we're introduced to this like guy who apparently is the new bad guy. Right. And he's, I'm like, at what point is St. Joe coming back? He's not. He's not. He's gone. He's gone. And it's like he instantly goes to this guy and it's just like the most intense fight I think I've seen in a movie between just two people. Like... It is so brutal, and their recoveries are so alarmingly quick. Like, they're bashing each other into cement and just, like, popping right back up. But it's, I'm like, who, this is just that crooked cop that was, like, friends with St. Joe? What's going on? Doesn't make any sense. Really cool fight scene, I will say. Like, ludicrously intense. And this is the part we mentioned earlier where yes. they are fighting and they end up underwater. Yes. And this, this, there's this theater underneath the building there inside. Yeah being drugged on by a piano like it's, it's, it's so, a really great visual when he slams his arm into the piano and shuts it's a grand piano he shuts the top of the piano i was like oh my god the floor starts giving in i was like what a crazy death and it's like halfway through the fight scene some of the most amazing like shots of the film are in this this fight scene but at the same time hugh jackman is left underwater like the crooked cop bests him Basically, hugh jackman goes in to save him from the piano because he feels bad for killing this guy he needs to find where may is mm-hmm. And he's like, I can't let this guy die. So he goes down there, frees him. And this guy is such a piece of shit that the guy who just saved his life, he just like kicks off and like goes to the surface and leaves Hugh Jackman down on the floor. 
for an undetermined amount of time, but I was pretty sure he was going to die because I was like, he's just left underwater for minutes. But then once the fight uh, concludes... Nick is able to like take Booth. Yeah. I, I kind of forget what happened there. So he he gets he wakes up. He like passes out underwater. And you think this guy's dead, and then he has like a dream of May in the water, like reaching yeah, for him. Yeah. Boom! Motivation. He wakes back up. He swims to the surface, and then he injects the crooked cop with the stuff that he injects people with to get them in like that comatose state. Right, right. And then he brings him back to his shop, mm-hmm. and this is when he starts getting answers. He hooks him up to the machine, yes. looks through his memories. He says, you don't want to know who she is. You're not going to like the answers you find. Finds out, you know, she was all a setup from the start, basically. She was lying to him. She never lost her keys. She needed to get these memories, Elsa's memories, for the Baron, for the dirty cop. <laughs> and this is where shit just gets out of control. Uh, and she, like, researched Nick to figure out how to seduce him. Oh, like, yeah. the song. like Talk to his old army buddy. Mm-hmm. Got all the insight and nailed it. Like, did her job perfectly, but actually fell in love with him, too. Of course. So, Crooked Cop's memories also include him killing Elsa, you know, trying to kill her son, but guess who saves the son? May comes in, swoops the son up, uh, knocks the Crooked Cop out, and seemingly gets away for a moment. Um, She tries to run back to Hugh Jackman, leaves her earring outside the door, and he's like, oh my god, she tried to come back to me. There's one point in the movie where there's like a knock on the door and he's like, May, it's May! Because who else would knock on my door? It's a business. Uh, <laughs> so convoluted. Crooked cop kidnaps her because he's obviously hanging outside of Hugh Jackman's place just waiting for this stupid person to go back, which she does. And then this is where it goes totally off the rails for me. So Hugh Jackman's still watching his memories, the Crooked Cop's memories, and it's like her talking to Hugh Jackman because she knows that Hugh's going to get into this guy's memory. And it's like, it's the most over the top monologue on like love ever from May. And the crooked cops just like taking it, like just letting her do this. Like, oh, I didn't realize we had such a yeah. spot. And then like, finally he's kind of like, who are we talking about? And then she kisses the cop. But at this point, Hugh Jackman has conveniently gone into this hologram machine, so it's like she's kissing him. And he's basically saying, like, tell me where the boy is or I'm going to kill you. I need to know where the son is. He wants to kill the son. Yeah, because when he killed Elsa, she then took the son and sent him somewhere. Booth doesn't know. Booth doesn't know. He's trying to find the son to kill him so there's no bastard child of the Baron. And she doesn't give the son up. She eats a ton of baka and jumps to her death. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, after this love. So Hugh's losing his goddamn mind. Okay, so the scene when and she's we talking to him yeah. through memory. in a memory that she knows he will hopes that he will someday see. Yeah. At what point did that connect in your brain that that's what was happening? Because it wasn't until like the very end for me and I was like, oh, this was supposed to be sweet. I think and I, this just did not work. I For me, I got it, but I was like, the odds of this playing out the way it did are so small that, like, that's such a dumb plan. Yeah. Uh, really dumb plan. And then... You can also mail a letter. And I don't understand, like, we see the crooked cop, and then the next time we see him, he's, like, scarred and disfigured and burned. But we never really get the backs. We, we do eventually, and we find out, like, they find out he was kind of skimming off the top of this criminal operation and, like, burnt him. Lit yeah. him on fire. This was, like... Years ago. Yeah. yeah. 
and so he leaves him reliving the memory of being burnt over and over again in his machine, which is like really fucking dark for mm-hmm. this movie. That's the darkest point of this movie, I think. And it's it's yeah, just intense. And then even more off the rails, like cut to he just walks back into the mansion of the Baron, like just no explanation of how he gets in. Like he was literally escorted out at gunpoint last time. And now he just like strolls right back in right up to the wife. Like nobody's standing guard anymore. That's like the next scene. Uh-huh. Uh, the son's dancing with his mom, like a little creep. Uh, he figures out it's the son who hired the crooked cop to kill the bastard. So his inheritance doesn't get fucked up essentially. Yeah. Because if it was discovered that Walter Sylvan had multiple children, yeah. the inheritance is cut in half. Yes. And the little boy does not want that. He just wants to dance with his mom in a fake clock shop all day. <laughs> and by little boy, we mean Every adult 20, boy. 20 some year olds. Because the little boy whose mother was killed yeah. and who was then the little boy who was saved by May yeah. was thrown on a, a dinghy. Yep. Sent to sea yeah. because way out in the ocean. There's just a floating house. There's one single house, which you've got to assume where that house is. That That's where there used to be land. Maybe. You know. Maybe. I How know. tall is Big the house? Stilts. Big stilts <laughs> on that house. Like that and, was like the one prepper that was and like. And that's like when May was on her Baca bin, she just came across that house too. And it saved her. So she's like, it can save the little. So the son's like, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to kill myself. And Hugh Jackman basically says, do it. And of course, the the real son of the Baron, they're both the real son. The known son of the Baron is like, I can't do it. I've never had to do my own dirty work. And now I this is where it totally loses me. I don't understand the rest of the movie. He like Hugh Jackman basically confesses that he's guilty of like. So what he did to Booth where he set his brain on a loop of reminiscence is illegal. Getting burnt. I or think no, something like fried or something because it's going to slowly destroy his brain. Yes. So he's basically just killing him. Yep. Um, he admits all this to Watts. Yeah. Gives her the memories like his own memories, Elsa's memories, May's memories, Cliff's memories, Boots memories. And then he, before he can be charged with this crime that he committed, goes, hooks himself up to the reminiscence machine yeah. so that he can just relive okay. his time with May on repeat. Time out, though. Mm-hmm. Because what I don't understand is up to this point, you think these tanks are only used for, like, brief memory things. And then, like, we cut to Watts working at this huge facility that, like, old people are being put into these tanks. Is it just to, like, sustain them? Or is it so they just relive memories forever and then eventually, like, shrivel up and die? It's There's a good question. There's no explanation. I, I don't know if it's... If the technology advanced also, and it's now being used for more things. I don't know. They're or, also just like stored in a literal like fountain outside in the courtyard of this place. Like an open water fountain. There's just people in these tanks. And I was like, you're not going to have them like inside. You're in a fucking hurricane zone. <sighs> and then and Nick is my impression is that Nick put himself on a loop in his own pool and his brain is also going to be fried. All I know is one second he's in the tank, the next second he's 80 years old in the tank. And what happens is Nick's still doing the fucking voiceover, even though he's in the tank and like 80 years old. And he says, the the city, you know, a trickle became a flood. Maybe this time it would wash the world clean. Because like the streets rise up when they find out that this rich kid tried to have a poor kid killed. So people riot. 
Like this is what that's set the everyone one. over the edge. That, not like, like building levees and drowning <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people. Again, no such thing as a happy ending. And then I just don't understand the Watts and her daughter like watching him. Anyways, long story short, Nathan, this movie's a mess at the end. But what matters in the end is that it doesn't matter in the end because he's reliving his happy memories. Meanwhile, Watts is living in the present. She's going to be with her family because that's kind of her whole thing is that she doesn't really associate with her family. She likes to escape. And so they've kind of swapped personalities in that regard, I guess. Yeah. No, it's a good angle. But the the last scene is back when she asked for a a story with a happy ending. And he says there are no happy endings. And then Mm -hmm. she says, okay, tell me one that's happy that ends in the middle. And then he tells the story of Orpheus and Eurydice, yeah. uh, the Greek myth in which uh, two lovers don't get to spend eternity forever, but he stops in the middle and basically says, they live happily ever after. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, just, it's so off the rails for the last 20 minutes or so that it is, if it would have just stopped, if it would have just stopped at him like leaving the guy in the machine to remember being burnt alive again and again and again. And just walked away. That would have been a better ending. If he would have just left it. It would have been pretty dark. Would have been dark. But would have been better than the than the actual ending. If he would have just left it where like he leaves the son and the mom there. Like with the son, you know, when he threatens to kill himself or to kill him. End it there. I don't need 85-year-old Hugh Jackman sitting in a tank. I don't. I just don't need anything else. And I don't know where the perfect ending for this movie is. But it's far from how it actually well, is. Well, Kevin... There are no perfect endings, especially when the story was perfect. <laughs> this is going to be our weirdest episode ever, where we just try... The movie is so convoluted that we just try to describe the general plot is the main discussion. I think we show. should do this more, but with the average movie, that would take like five minutes to just say <laughs> what happens. But this is like every bullet point, you're like, but wait a second. Wait. Did we mention this person yet? Yeah, it's just so many characters. Uh, more of the story is more St. Joe. I want a St. Joe spin-off. Absolutely. I'd I mean, that. you and I both really liked Army of the Dead, the Netflix movie, and they're already making a yes. prequel, an animated yes. series. Like, there's all this lore to go along with it. I feel like Reminiscence, uh, Warner Brothers probably hoped this could be a oh, whole yeah. world. Oh, yeah. We could mine so much from this. They are never touching this with a 10-foot pole no, ever again. Nobody is. No, this is dead and buried or left in a water-filled tank to relive the memories of bombing <laughs> at the box office over and over again. I'm glad that, like I said, you and I are really um, putting our memories, you know, we're, we are essentially making those weird little clear hard drives of our memories, yeah. storing them away mm-hmm. where someone will someday find it and say, Reminiscence. Huh. What is that? They, I, let me tell you, in 25 or 50 years, when that happens, there's not going to be a copy of Reminiscence left. They <laughs> will not be able to watch it. They'll be like, oh my God, look at this. These two guys made up an entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just for a, I guess it's a like a, a sarcastic podcast. I don't know. Satire. They got uh, into a Baca stash and they yeah, just just went for it. Which again, I don't even understand what Baca does. Like there's drugs yeah. in so many movies. Like I think of Dread, where like you see the visual effects of what a drug does, and Baca's just like, huh, don't get hooked on that Baca. It'll make you. There's a there's so much shorthand like the war the, the war, but like. The Baca really is. I have to imagine it's something like heroin, maybe, that's like 
You would think that like a, a very comforting drug would you're be right. kind of the go-to choice, but there's you're right that you have to imagine because <laughs> the movie explains nothing. It's just like with the war. You're like, what were they fighting over? I have no idea. What were the sides? I don't know. What was the timeline? No idea. You know, I think they need a I think they need a sequel or a prequel to really fill it out. And I, I hope that one day we can fund that. In order to do so, we're gonna need some more streams. So yeah. find the rest of our episodes. On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. That's right. And if you like us uh, and want to support the show, leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. It's the best way to support the show. You can also grab some of your very own Fast Food Film Friends merch at FastFoodFilmFriends.com. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Fast Food Film Friends, Twitter at FFFF Podcast, or email us and tell us what you want us to watch or eat next time at FastFoodFilmFriends at gmail.com. Maybe a movie that uh, humans have seen. That would be probably a good idea. I'm still a little sour that you made me go to a theater to see this. Until next time, farewell. farewell.